everyone. This is Mariah here on Take the Stage Opera Podcast, episode six. Today we're talking about everyone's least favorite part about this career, the audition, which coincidentally is also the name of an award-winning film which stars our special guest today, Angela Mead. We're going to introduce her in just a second, but we wanted to expound a bit on why we've decided to dedicate an entire episode to this subject. I think if you ask anyone in a performing type of career, they'll say that auditioning is the very worst part, and it's definitely my least favorite. But an audition doesn't always have to be this intimidating and anxiety-inducing thing. You are absolutely capable of being successful both in and out of the audition room. Is everyone saying no to your singing career? Well, we here at Take the Stage Podcast say toy, toy, toy. Find out what is holding you back so you can stop waiting in the wings and go out and get your standing ovation. There are no forbidden topics here, so get your ticket and find your seat. In Boca Lupo! Here to talk a little bit about why auditioning is crucial and how to have a better audition is my co-host, Evan. Hello, Mariah. I am so excited to be here today. Well, I don't know that I'm excited to be talking about auditioning, but <laughs> <laughs> I have so much to learn about it. But, um, you know, I have had some anxiety in the past, some nervousness going into auditions. And I think with all of these things, it really depends on your attitude. If you go into an audition room with the outlook that you're probably the least talented person <laughs> that you're going to screw up or you're really worried about the high notes and all of those things, then you know, all of those details can drag you down and make it a terrible experience. But if you go in thinking, this is a good opportunity for me, I could be the right person for these people, you know, even if it's a small audience, you can feel a lot more control and feel more positive in your audition. Yeah. That actually reminds me of what Jill Grove said in our first episode about how you need to be prepared for everything you can be, you can be, and then just let it go of everything you can control. Right. I think she said, control what you can control and surrender the rest. Yep. I love that. Well, and I tend to focus on all the things that I will never be able to have any control over. Like <laughs> here I am walking into a room I've never sung in before and I'm not familiar with it and it ends up really freaking me out. Right. Yeah. But I've gotten a little bit better with auditioning over the years and I've gone to therapy and things like that and learned more about myself and been able to become more comfortable with myself, both as just a person and also as an artist. And actually, one of my greatest cheerleaders is here with us today. Hey, Angela. Hello. <laughs> oh, this is so exciting. We are thrilled to have you and to be able to hear your beautiful voice. Okay, we were just speaking today. But. I know. No. What a shame. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So I feel like Angela Mead needs no introduction, but to our listeners who aren't singers or who may be new to the scene, Angela Mead is one of the most highly celebrated sopranos of our time. After winning the Metropolitan Opera Competition in 2007, she had a whirlwind of a career. Angela has sung with the Metropolitan Opera in many different roles, including several Met HD broadcasts. Um, and Besides the Met competition, she has also won the Beverly, Beverly Sills Artist Award, the Richard Tucker Award, and in fact, I think, Angela, that you hold the title for the most opera competitions won by any single opera artist. Is that true? I mean, I don't know for sure. I think so, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not for sure. That's really, so she has won 57 
total competitions and all. And this is not like Nats competitions. This is like <laughs> big, I'm winning like thousands of dollars competitions. That is so incredible. So Angela, I don't know you as well as Mariah does, um, but I would like to hear a little bit about how your journey started as a singer. Well, okay. So um, how far back should we go? <laughs> All the way to childhood. So you so were born. When I, so, <laughs> so when I was a young girl, we attended church all the time and it was sort of like a small family-ish church, like a Southern Baptist church. And it was like, my great uncle was like the pastor and my mom was the organ player. And, you know, my dad was the treasurer and blah, blah, blah. Well, through that, one day in church, I sang and people were like, oh, you're such a great singer. You have to sing all the time. And I was super nervous. Talk about auditioning, right? Like this wasn't an audition, but like performing anxiety. Um, I hated doing that when I was a kid, but they sort of forced me to do it. And I did it sort of on a regular basis in church. And I guess sort of got over some of the performance anxiety through that. Um, and it sort of spiraled out of that, right? Like, so I was in church doing that and I liked singing. I hated the performing aspect, but I liked singing. Um, but I never knew that I could like have a career doing this. Like my, my knowledge of, singing professionally was like country singers or uh, you know pop singers and stuff and I knew that wasn't me so I didn't have an idea that I could do it I didn't even really know what musical theater was sort of and I did I did because I knew like what phantom was and stuff but yeah it wasn't on my radar (laughs) anyway so I went to community college uh, right out of high school because I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with myself I had said that I wanted to be a doctor but my parents were like, oh, don't go away to school and spend a you know, lot of money on yeah. school if you don't really know what you want to be. Right. Uh, so they were like, go to community college and do your like, you know, math and science and all this yeah, stuff, all your prerequisites. And while I was there, I was taking all these things to be a doctor. Like I was taking bio, bio, biology and chemistry and anatomy and blah, 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 all that stuff. And I really just did not like it very much. Um, mm-hmm. I excelled in it, but I didn't like it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So. uh, That's an important distinction. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I probably could have gone on and been a doctor and it probably would have, you know, made me marginally happy and whatever, but it wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't what I wanted to really spend my time doing. Yeah. Uh, And because I'd been so active in uh, band and choir and all through school, like from like fourth grade on, I was taking like the college choir as an elective. And funnily enough, I was taking music theory as an elective just because I liked it. Yeah. Because I'm a nerd like that. And (laughs) who does that? Me, apparently. Uh, (laughs) And my choir teacher, who was also like the main small community college right like she was really the only music professor she also taught the music theory class Mm -hmm. she was like you know I I know that you sing really like have a beautiful voice when you sing in choir and stuff she's like have you ever thought about taking voice lessons and I was like no I mean in high school I took some voice lessons with my choir teacher because like for solo ensemble contest but beyond that nothing and I was like sure that sounds intriguing so I went to take some lessons with him and he gave me a couple of opera arias my very first lesson with him (laughs) from Giulio Cesare and um, Divini Non Tardar from Marriage of Figaro. Susanna oh, that Zari. was also my first aria that my choir teacher gave me. 
You're similar. Yeah. <laughs> you and me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I went home and I was like, oh, what is this stuff? Like, I didn't really know what opera was. I mean, it sort of only had like a peripheral knowledge of it because of singing like solo and ensemble in, uh, in high school because yeah. of like the classical music room. So I went home and I learned it and I was like, my goodness, these things feel really like easy for me to sing. Like this way mm. of singing feels really natural. And so I went back to him and the next week and I sang the things for him and he was like my goodness you sound like an opera singer and I was like I don't even know what that means but (laughs) what is that (laughs) so I studied with him for uh, a little over a year and decided to transfer from my community college to Pacific Lutheran University which was an hour away from my parents house in Tacoma Washington and transferred as a music major much to my parents chagrin because they were like you are going to be a doctor what are you doing (laughs) um so I did that and majored in 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 music got a degree in vocal performance from Pacific Lutheran University and decided this is what I was going to do I decided come hell or high water I was moving to New York after I was done with that and so I auditioned for and got into Manhattan School Music, and 9-11 happened two weeks later. Wow. So I sort of freaked out. Yeah. Um, I withdrew wow. from school and went home. Uh, I worked for a year, and then I decided to go to the University of Southern California. I knew one of the boys' teachers who I'd met in the summer program while I was at PLU, mm-hmm. and they took me in there, and I did my master's, auditioned for a whole bunch of young artist programs at the end of that, got into none of them. Stayed and did my doctorate on a full ride as a teaching assistantship. Wait, and you have a doctorate? No, no, I never oh. finished it because I got oh. into AVA while I was doing it. Gotcha. So, yeah, and then I went to AVA, made my Met, Met debut while I was there <laughs> as a student, and the rest is history. Right. Amazing. Yeah. What was your debut? Um, Elvira in Verdi's Ernani. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> also so much like Mariah, I feel like. Yep. I wonder who gave you that aria yeah. to sing. <laughs> so through all of this, you auditioned for a bunch of young artist programs. You felt like you were struggling. What was your relationship with auditioning? Um, did you feel comfortable in the audition room or how was that for you? Well, it's so funny because we mentioned the competitions. Like basically an audition and a competition are the same thing. And I yeah. excelled at the competitions. But I don't know if I didn't excel at the auditions because I felt roughly the same uh in both situations but i didn't fare as well with the auditions i don't know what it was if it was specifically a young artist thing Hmm. i don't know i mean once i made my met debut i didn't do a lot of auditions after that i mean i still did some (laughs) for like a year year and a half afterwards um but and those i mean you can never tell when you do an audition you can never tell whether the people you're auditioning for think it was a good audition or not. Like you can only go on what you think you did well. Like, I mean, I've had crappy auditions and been hired. Yeah. And I've done stellar auditions and not been hired. So you just never know. I mean, it's so subjective. You don't know what they're looking for. You don't know if they're just holding the auditions to hold auditions, if they're actually looking for something. It also matters, you know, if you're doing main stage auditions, it matters whether you have a manager or not. Um, it just is so subjective again you controlling the things you can letting go of the other things right yeah i mean i think you just have to come into the audition 
and sing because you like to sing, because you love to sing, because you feel like you have something to say, whether anyone's listening or not. Um, (laughs) I mean, you can present an an audition package for them and sing, you know, a couple arias and they could just not even be listening. I mean, I have definitely been in situations where I was on the Ashton on the other side of the table, uh, where people would come in and audition and people would answer their phone or they'd step out of the room. And I was almost like, you clearly weren't a singer because you wouldn't do this to a singer if you were a singer. Right. (laughs) Because auditions are hard. They are. And we pay money to go do them. And then we feel like we don't get people's undivided attention when we do it. Yes. Um, Yeah. It's difficult. It is difficult. So I feel like I always have a lot of trouble in the audition room because I have to come in and completely get into character within just a few seconds. And I don't Mm -hmm. have the time to like live through all of the background info of a character Mm -hmm. that you do when you do a full opera. So I just feel really awkward jumping into character, especially if it's a character that I don't super connect with or understand Mm -hmm. fully. So how do you suggest going about getting over the nerves of telling a story and getting into character? I mean, what you described is something I've definitely had problems with too, especially like even now, like getting into a character when the first thing out of your mouth on stage in in the Mm -hmm. role of the opera is also like an aria. Yeah. There's no backstory beforehand. I mean, Norma and Casadiva and Norma. Mm -hmm. Perfect example. You come out, you sing a recitative and you sing the aria. Right. That's it. You have this presentational, here comes Norma, Norma Viene. And then you're like, Hello, my people. Be quiet. I will sing an aria. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You, it, is, it is difficult because, I mean, my suggestion is always start with the same aria. Mm-hmm. Unless you're auditioning for something specific and they've asked you to sing a specific piece for it, or if you're auditioning for a specific role that you know they're looking for, and like say Traviata or something, you want to come in and sing Sempre Vibra and you don't normally start with Sempre Vibra. Even in that instance, I almost would say, start with what you start with all the time. The thing that presents you the best, the thing that shows your strengths, hides your weaknesses, and also the thing that you've ingrained so much in your body that you don't need to think through all of the backstory and stuff because it's just part of you now, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that would be my suggestion. It would be very, very difficult to change arias every time and have to do what you're saying. I agree with you 100%. Right. Yep, it's true. Yeah. Uh, did you, so the aria that you used to always start with, was it Norma? Well, not for auditions. I always started with it for competitions mm-hmm. uh, because I knew, well, I sort of experimented. If I didn't start with it, they wouldn't ask for it. Oh. Hmm. I think they thought, oh, this crazy lady, she's coming in here singing Norma. She's got it on her list. We're not, no, we're not asking for that. <laughs> so the couple of times that I didn't start with it, they didn't ask for it. So I thought, well, I'm just going to start with it from now on. And I started with it, well, I guess in 55 of the competitions, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. So um, in auditions, I mean, there's sort of a formula to this. I I always say that like, well, especially with competitions, that it's always about like strategy and formula for like what works. Yeah. Uh, As opposed to, just throwing it against the wall and seeing like what happens that day. Like there's, there's a pattern to why people pick the pieces they pick second. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So how do you personally prepare for auditions? I mean, you got your rep, learned the rep, 
what personally, you know, do you do? I would say get your five in order and yeah. you know figure out what they are and know them backwards and forwards. And you can sing them when you're sick and you can sing them when you're sleepy and you can sing them when you've just gotten off of a plane flying across the country. Um, and just, you know, know every, every single word of it and how that relates to you. I mean, I don't know about the subjectivity of like doing an actual audition. I just ignore 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 don't ever like let whoever's in the room affect your psyche don't let the room affect your psyche mm. sometimes you're gonna okay. sing in a totally crap space where you can't hear yourself and it feels like there's a pillow over your face yeah. um when sometimes you go in and it'll be like a bathtub and it'll be the most luxurious <laughs> thing to sing in and you'll be like why is there not every audition here um those sort of exterior uh, external things we sort of have to just <laughs> get rid of just they're gone just don't think of it just think you know i'm just singing in my bathroom singing and no one's listening to me and i'm just singing because i love to sing so what sort of mental work do you do to get to that point do you have affirmations or visualizations or i mean i like to meditate mm -hmm. <laughs> um and i just it's hard it is hard to just sort of be like everybody's looking at me stop yeah. you know i'm being judged but really that's our job like our job is to stand there in front of people and let them judge us yeah. right yeah yeah and it's no different once we get into you know once you've been hired for the role and you're being paid to sing the mm -hmm. role it's not really any different right because there's reviewers and everybody's got a blog nowadays and everybody's <laughs> going to tell you their opinion and you know the affirmation or not affirmation from the applause or the booing or whatever happens mm -hmm. so it's probably not any different in the audition room Right. They're like a very small subset, you know, like a COVID audience. They're a COVID audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you said that you have judged auditions before. Mm -hmm. What do you think makes a successful audition? Well, that's highly subjective, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously somebody who knows their music. Um, <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Um, somebody who's prepared, somebody who looks like they're prepared, meaning that they're put together and, you know, wearing an outfit, a nice, a, yes, they've, they've combed their hair, they've brushed yes. their teeth, they've put on some right. makeup if you're a woman, um, <laughs> things like that. We're presenting ourselves in the best light. Um, but then beyond that, like somebody who, is emotionally connected to what they're doing mm -hmm. right so often you see singers sing and it's just sort of notes right there's yeah doesn't feel like there's a lot going on behind that um so really it's what we want to see is that you know mariah is telling me her vulnerability with this mm. aria I mean, that's what I want to see. Which is tough. <laughs> I love it those is. points that you said because they sound simple, but if you, I guess what I'm telling myself now as you're speaking is if I go into an audition and I'm prepared, I, I try to think about the way I dress and the way I look and the way that I sing and I'm performing and I leave that room, then I just need to feel like I've done a successful job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, you'll never know. Like what I said right. earlier, I mean, I've had really crappy auditions and they've hired me like two weeks later, they'll, I get an email being like, they want to hire you for something. And I'll be like, but it was a crappy audition. <laughs> so you, 
you never know. Yeah. And we always think, oh, well, if I blow my high note, that means I'm not going to get hired, you know, whatever. That's not necessarily always the case. I'm not suggesting you go out and blow your high notes, but that's, I mean, people can look beyond that too. They can be like, you had a bad day. They can tell that it wasn't, you know, a technical issue that caused that to happen, whatever it is. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is really struggling this audition season with it not only being like the normal audition season stress, but also the added stress of things being online and figuring out how to social distance and programs and auditions being canceled because of COVID and things like that? Well, if one struggles with performance anxiety or audition anxiety, in a lot of ways, and I discovered this last week when I was doing this recording in Seattle, (laughs) is that missing the people who are judging you immediately in front of you Mm -hmm. changes the dynamic, right? Yeah. You then are literally just recording for yourself at that moment. And if you feel like it's not great, you can do it over and over and over again till you get it how you want it. And that's not a possibility in a live audition room, right? So in a lot of ways we have the advantage right now to do that. Yeah. Um, to put out our best possible product. You know, you record and you're like, I don't really like what I'm wearing in that. Let me go change my outfit to see what I like better. (laughs) Take that auditioners. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I know that it's a really (sighs) horrid time right now. (laughs) I mean, everything is so up in the air. And especially, I'm sure, if I'm feeling this as an established artist, how it must feel to be like an up and coming person Mm -hmm. or somebody that's just come out of school not knowing what's going to happen and, you know, whether their dreams are all dashed. I mean, it'll come back eventually. I mean, it might take a couple of years and, you know, just keep working on yourself and keep working on your voice, keep working on your interpretation, keep working on your languages, keep working on, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. just to keep yourself in it. Cause you know, if you, if you really love it and you really work really hard at it, I mean, you will achieve some sort of success at it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone will have a different career, but right. Nobody has the same career. Right. That's so, so fun and exciting. So I, I love that tip and um, definitely be taking that into (laughs) advice as I, you know, prepare myself for future audition seasons and things, but we have a few questions from listeners. And this first question comes from Stephanie Pugh. And she's wondering um, how you deal with nerves, like leading up to it, maybe even the week or the day leading up to an audition or a performance. Mm-hmm. And then if you ever have like bouts of, you know, anxiety or nervousness right before a performance, how would you deal with those situations? So I still now, something like Norma, which I've sung a bajillion times already, or Tornatore, or whatever. <laughs> I still, before I go on stage, I'm like, do I remember what I'm supposed to sing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I still have like, wait, what are the first words I sing? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that ever goes away and I don't know if that's categorized as anxiety or if it's, I don't know what it is, but yeah. um, that's still something I struggle with. And I'm not an overly anxious person once I'm on stage, but like okay. I've always been a lot of a perfectionist. So I like things to be done correctly and so I'm always worried I'm gonna say the wrong word and I try not to focus on that if it happens but you know we're humans and we you know those of us who struggle with perfectionism focus on that 
I try not to. <laughs> Mariah, raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, raise my hand. <laughs> um, I would just say, you know, just if meditation helps you, a lot of people do like yoga to sort of like release stress, mm -hmm. things like that. Like have a ritual in your dressing room or a wherever ritual, it is yeah. that you're doing. Um, that sort of like focuses you and centers you, you know, if, if drinking a, a nice warm tea and doing like five minutes of meditation in a corner and in an audition room or outside of an audition room helps you, then that should be like your go-to so that like, you know, that when you do those things, it leads you to be calm at the end of it. Right. I've heard yeah. people, you know, say, imagine that the audience is rooting for you rather than judging you or sure. imagine that the auditioners, they're like you fulfill a problem that they have, you fill a role yeah. that they, you know, just kind of having that in the back of your head as you. Something that I do that I think is weird and I don't know that other people do this is that I try to be as chatty as possible with the people outside of the audition room. <laughs> to distract like, yourself kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and I feel like I'm getting like negative, like pent up energy out okay. before I go yeah. into the audition room. Yeah. Oh, you're that awkward person backstage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely. <am>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. That's all like nervous energy, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so instead of yeah. fighting the energy, just kind of let it go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because that's kind of yeah. like who I am. I'm like a very energetic person. So well, also like to just focus the energy into your singing too. Like right. focus that ner those nerves into singing a beautiful line, mm -hmm. or however. So we have a couple of questions from a soprano named Mariah Berry. She spells it with an O, not an A like me. Is that your alias? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Avon also has some questions. <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, okay, so... She asks, what are some of the best focal points visually for people when they're trying to interpret arias in various situations, such as when a character is alone and introspective, as opposed to when they're speaking directly to someone? And is there a specific, a specific way that singers should act or do differently when they are being filmed as opposed to when they are in person so that they don't lose the character they're trying to represent? Okay, so, and I struggled with this too. Like, I think a lot of times when we go into audition rooms, we try to avoid, um, and also when we're doing, like, performances in a small space where we're close to the audience, mm -hmm. like in a small intimate recital or in somebody's house or whatever. In an audition whatever. room. Or in an audition room. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Of course that, but also in performance. That we as singers tend to not want to look at anybody in the face, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we tend to avoid it at all costs. And yep. so what do we do? Our like default is to look up at the ceiling. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I've done it too many times. Mm -hmm. um, the best option in that scenario would be to just sort of gaze at people's like foreheads. So it sort of looks like you're looking at oh. people and taking people in, but you're like, not. You're not looking at the crack in the ceiling. Because <laughs> from an audience perspective, it looks like you're totally avoiding people, which is what you're doing. Yeah. And it looks awkward. Um, and as far as like introspective sort of things, people, I think people are also, singers are also afraid to sort of like, if you're thinking, like you're not really looking at anything, right? And it's okay to do that when you're singing, like to think, 
Right. You know, I'm sort of internalizing what I'm doing, what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, you know, in your thinking mode. And it's okay to do that and not like have a focal point that you're looking at. Yeah. And so the audience can't really see what you're doing, but we can see you on Zoom. So right. just an explanation, like we kind of see Angela, her, like she looked, I mean, she didn't have a focal point, but she's kind of looking down or around, just kind of like relaxed. So it's not like the typical performance gesture yeah. with your head, you know, you can kind of yeah, well, think about like what you would do if you were being introspective yourself, like right. not on stage, just in your real life. Like you can stare your eyes... at someone and not see them at all. Totally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as like camera stuff, so my husband, Mariah, you know this, my husband does um, camera work as well. Yes, and we were talking about this earlier. Yes. Shout out to John. Um, <laughs> he, he suggested that if you're looking, if you're seeing into a camera, which is what we're all doing nowadays, right, mm-hmm. is to either look directly into the lens as you would if you were looking you know, if you were in an audience looking at people's foreheads, like I just suggested, or right over the top of their head, to look in the camera. But that's really hard for people. Oh, okay. People find it really hard to look in the lens because we feel like it's watching us. Like, we feel like the people in the audition are watching us. But to really connect, because you have to think about, through the lens of the camera, that's how people are watching us, right? And if we're suddenly looking off in different directions, <laughs> we're not connecting with our audience. Right. So either right into like the lens, like the top half of the lens or right at the top of where the lens ends. Okay. That's- I mean, unless you're doing again, something introspective or if there's a you know reason that you're looking far off into the distance, mm. then, you know, those are the reasons to not be looking at the places I just suggested. Okay. That's actually really good to know. I hadn't ever thought of that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff with this technology that nobody really ever thinks of now because we're not trained to do that right yeah we're trained to sing to five thousand people in the audience over the span of a huge stage area not one small focal point of a camera yeah that's going to take some thought and some practice i think it's a different it's a different skill set right like you look at people who act on tv versus people who act on a big stage smaller movements smaller movements of your head nothing is super fast so that's how it is to like work on camera. We have just a couple last questions. These come from Mariah and I, and um, we're going to ask these to most of our guests, but um, you know, in this um, world of perfection, everyone is told that they have to be perfect in a million different ways as a singer and everyone's telling them they have to do something different and none of us ever really measure up. Right. So we have, people out there who are probably struggling with at least something that I mean is Angela human do we even ask but we're (laughs) assuming (laughs) we're assuming that there's something that you've struggled with someone's told you you're not perfect at something and how you haven't measured up and we want you to talk about that and how you've persevered and been able to be successful even despite that well let's just state the obvious right Like I've had issues with my weight my entire life and people have lambasted me for it this entire career. Wow. Um, So that's something I've had to like, sort of just be like, over there guys, I can't, I don't want to listen to you. Just go over there in another corner. Um, But it's hard because people are brutal and our business is, you know, very subjective and, you know, it's not like A plus B equals C and, 
that's always the answer. Like some people are like, well, A plus B equals Z. Right. Or F or whatever. So pleasing everybody is not possible. Um, being perfect is not possible. I know because I've tried my entire life to be that way. <laughs> and, but I think being perfect also isn't about what being an artist is. Right. If everybody right. was perfect, imagine how boring life would be. Would there, would there be any stories if we were all perfect? Right. Would there be any artwork if we were all perfect? No, because life is messy and life is supposed to imitate or art is supposed to imitate life. And yeah. so, you know, yes, should you try to be the best musician you can? Sure. But being perfect also robs individuality, right? Mm-hmm. So, so tell us about your kind of mental um, journey with how you, you, you talked about putting their voices in the corner, you know, like people are telling me I've got to look this way or I've got whatever. Um, is that still part of your journey? For sure. For sure. Every day of my life. Wow. Every day of my life. I mean, it comes from different places, right? Like people who run companies, people who you hire to be your publicists, people who are quote unquote your fans, <laughs> but yet they make disparaging comments. Um, you know, it comes from everybody. It comes from the everyday life, you know, being on the road and looks and comments and things. I mean, it just happens all the time and it's, it's horrible. And you just kind of have to say, well, that's your own problem and I'm not going to let it affect me. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to not let it affect you. I struggle telling myself that I'm beautiful because I've been knocked down so much in my life and said, you know, you're not, you can't possibly be beautiful because you're fat. And we're taught to believe that because of the way society is. And I just want everybody to know that they are beautiful. There's beautiful things about all of us. And just tell yourself that every day. Oh, that is so great. Thank you. That's why we asked that question. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, so what is your dream role? On a lighter note. <laughs> oh, Lord. Everybody always asks me this. I don't know. <laughs> Has it changed or does it change? Yeah, I think, I think before I sang Norma, I would have said Norma. Yeah. Um, I still love singing Norma. Um, so her life is complete. <laughs> my life is complete. I can retire now. <laughs> uh, <I> don't. <laughs> Listen, I've been really blessed to have sung a lot of the things that I wanted to sing. Um, there are some things still on my list. I'd like to sing Forza at some mm-hmm. point. Um, there are some Strauss roles I'd like to try out. Mm-hmm. Um, Chrysophemus. I'd love to mm-hmm. sing like a Daphne or an Arabella, Ariadne. Yeah. Um, Ballo. And that's on my schedule already. I haven't sung it yet. But, um, you know, things like that. There are some bigger verities that I'd like to do. Um, <laughs> honestly there are some other Mozart that I'd like to do but people don't seem to want to hire me for that anymore yeah. I'd like to sing Clemenza or Electra in um yeah just a lot of things so do you have a book that you've read are you a reader <laughs> or something that you would encourage us to read I, not even just as artists but as people yeah actually I was thinking about this like um do you know the book The Alchemist yes I mean 
The last read name it. is uh, C O E L H O, and I don't know how you pronounce that because it's Portuguese. But Coelho, I don't know. Portuguese is not my language. But anyway, um, yeah, it's um, it's like an allegorical novel. It's about like finding and pursuing our dreams and our place in the world and hello um, well, yeah let's yeah, all read that yeah. yeah that sounds great yeah yeah <laughs> and it's short too it's only like 180 pages i think perfect well that about wraps it up angela thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us this evening Yay! <laughs> everyone remember to take care of yourselves audition season looks a lot different this year and whether you're applying for everything applying for a few things or taking on audition season hiatus for 2020 you are capable of great and beautiful things mm -hmm. remember that your voice is a gift to this world and we need you to stay healthy strong and ready to share that gift so with that stop waiting in the wings go out and take the stage my friends and until next time in boca, boca lupo, lupo.